Welcome, everybody, to episode number 12 of the Flannel Panel Conjugate Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Surratt, and on today's episode, I really don't know what the hell we're going to talk about. It's been so long since we've had an episode that um, I kind of forgot where we left off. So, um, I guess we'll start off with like a a life recap. Um, So, as many of you probably know, I was living in um, Detroit metro area in Michigan, working at Oakland University, um, a smaller Division I university out there. Um, I was a strength and conditioning coach, working with baseball, softball, women's soccer, the swimming team, the track and field throwers, and then ultimately the esports team. Um, However, as of late, or as of recently, I guess, since September, um, I've moved to Washington State. And I'm now a strength and conditioning coach with a company called Exos, which is an international and multinational, I guess, um, company that does sports performance, athletic performance, human development, all that kind of stuff. Um, And I'm contracted with the U.S. Army. So I'm a strength and conditioning coach contracted with the U.S. Army, um, particularly working with one or within one brigade um, and then within one battalion um, and then ultimately spread out across between myself and my co-coach because there's two of us per battalion at least that's the idea we're spread out across a battalion so across four companies four or five companies so to backtrack a little bit for those of you who aren't familiar with the military structure which still really includes myself um, the way that it works at least on base at least with at the level that I'm at there's a brigade and then within the brigade there's battalions and then within the battalion, there are companies. And then within each company, there are squad platoons and then squads. And so um, so the platoon, the battalion, excuse me, the battalion that I'm with is 2-1. So 2-1 battalion. It's an infantry battalion, which is awesome. Um, getting to work with the guys who are like physically on the ground, boots on the ground, doing the work. You know, if we ever go into combat as a nation, they're the ones who are going into combat. Um, so 2-1 Battalion, um, primarily working with um, oh, C Company and HHQ. So, um, so the C Company and then the Headquarters Company. Um, and then assisting with like A and B Co. So A and B Company as necessary or as is appropriate. Um, but again, we have two of us, so two strength and conditioning coaches per battalion. And so the idea, at least within our battalion, is that each of us takes two companies. And then there is a fifth company, um, GCO, which is kind of a supply slash forward forward support company. Don't ask me what that really means because I couldn't tell you. Um, We kind of float within that company as necessary. So that's what I'm doing now. So I live in Lakewood, Washington, which is basically a suburb of Tacoma which at this point is a suburb of Seattle, more or less. Um, So it's in the Pacific Northwest, which is fantastic because I've always wanted to get back here. For those of you who don't know, I did my undergrad at the University of Puget Sound, which is located in Tacoma, Washington. Um, And I love the area. I loved and love the area. And throughout all my travels, um, you know, from, from graduating back to Montana, down to Missouri, 
to Florida, to Michigan, and now ultimately back here, I've always wanted to come back. But, you know, within my field, within strength and conditioning, jobs aren't always guaranteed and they can be kind of challenging to find. Um, you know, and there is a lot of turnover, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of turnover in the strength and conditioning field. It's just that some places are, you know, have less turnover than others and some places have more turnover than others. And so if you want to work in a particular particular geographic area or for a particular program or institution, sometimes you just have to get lucky. And um, I got lucky. My plan was not to leave Oakland. Like I was very happy at Oakland. I was going on my third year. Um, I was very happy for the most part. I loved my athletes. I loved my job. I had a great boss. You know, um, basically had all the freedom to do what I wanted to do. And the reason that I ended up leaving was due to some COVID-related protocol backsliding. Um, and I mean, I'm free to talk about it at this point. But what happened is that, you know, yes, we all understand that the COVID stuff is ever-changing and ever-evolving. And sometimes it's going to move forward and get better. And sometimes it's going to move backwards and get worse. But what frustrated me was that we had been told that if we were vaccinated, if we had gotten the full vaccination, if we had had both shots, if we needed both shots, and we had you know, gone the two weeks or whatever from our second shot, that we wouldn't have to wear a mask anymore. And that went for students, student athletes, as well as staff. And then, again, as the case is, things change. Um, and they told us that we had to go back to wearing masks and that we'd probably have to go back to getting tested on a routine basis and all this kind of stuff. And basically, I just had enough. You know, I think we all have experienced some degree of COVID fatigue, um, especially related to the workplace. You know, and if you work for yourself, it's one thing. You know, if you're a self-employed strength and conditioning coach, you know, and you have your own facility or your own spot or you contract with a gym or whatever it is, you know, it might be a little bit easier, you know, to, to navigate around those situations and those issues. But when you work for a university, you're basically, I mean, you're literally at their, you know, at their beck and call and you have to do what they say you know and otherwise it's your job and so if they say hey you have to wear a mask now no matter what you feel about it unless you're medically you know um, excluded from having to wear a mask you know you have to and I got really really annoyed like I was just so tired of it I was so tired of the backsliding the back and forth and the lack of consistency and coherence or cohesion I guess not necessarily coherence but lack of cohesion within the athletic department administration as a whole. Like no one really knew what was going on. No one had an idea of what was happening and no one really had a plan as how to move forward and get us out of the situation that we were in. And that's not entirely their fault. Um, I mean, you know, they are human just like the rest of us and they were just responding to the situation as best they could, but ultimately just got to the point where I was done. And, you know, I knew in my heart that Oakland was not going to be my last stop professionally. And that at some point I was going to have to leave Oakland if I wanted to continue to grow. And if I wanted to move up, you know, the proverbial food chain or the ladder, whatever you want to call it. You know, if I wanted to move into a director position, which is, you know, still my ultimate goal, um, I was going to have to leave. So um, on a whim, I updated my resume. I put it on Indeed, the job board site. Um you know, updated it, made it current, made it relevant, all that kind of stuff. And I got an email a few days later from Exos, from this company called Exos. 
And I had heard of Exos before, and I had actually looked into working with them, but um, but it never panned out due to a you know a variety of reasons. It just wasn't the right time, and I didn't think it was a good fit for me and all that kind of stuff. So I didn't go with it. But I had been looking into going into the tactical side of stuff. Um, and for those of you who aren't familiar, the tactical side of strength and conditioning is basically, really in a nutshell, just providing strength and conditioning services for tactical populations. So such as like the military is obviously the, the first one that comes to mind, and then police, fire, um, EMT. So basically really any first responder or any population that requires a more tactical approach to the execution of their job duties um, is what tactical strength and conditioning is. It can be very similar to athletic performance, strength and conditioning. You know, I mean, the way that you go about doing things is pretty much the same. You know, you do a needs analysis on the population and then you, you know, you work to understand what the demands and the goals of that population are. And then how do you, and then you work backwards from there and you craft a plan. So, um, in some regards it's very similar. Um, in other regards, it's a little bit different, you know, with athletes, um, their life is not literally on the line when it comes to their performance. So with like a tactical athlete, and that's the, I think that's kind of the buzzword term a lot of, in a lot of the industry now is tactical athlete or tactical operator. That's what I like to use as operator. Um, sounds way more tactical. Um, you know, an operator can literally live or die based on his or her ability to do his or her job. So if we're talking the military, right? You know, I mean, yes, with the military, there's a hundred different things that go into, you know, what makes a soldier and the success of a soldier and whether a soldier comes home from deployment and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes it's just out of your hands, you know, but um, if we're looking at like police or fire or EMT, you know, the ability to do one's job successfully and with minimal risk of injury can be directly correlated to physical performance and physical development. And so anyway, I'm getting tangential, but anyway, so come back around. Um, I got contacted by Exos and they said, Hey, you know, we're looking to fill spots. We have a contract with the U S army looking for tactical strength and conditioning coaches. And this was just out of the blue. Like I didn't reach out to them. I didn't like message them or like try to do any sort of connection with them. They reached out to me, which is the first time that's happened. Um, the first time I've like, I was, I've been recruited for a job, which was super cool come later find out that it's not because I was some standout. Um, it was because they needed to fill the jobs. Like they had the Exos is a subcontractor with another company and the, the contracted company was in a, in a bind to, uh, to fill these jobs. And so it's not like they were just picking anybody, but, um, literally I didn't have to interview. Like I was like, I'm gonna have to do this like full blown, like big time interview. Like this is like, like this is for a government job. Um, and I had a couple conversations. I had a conversation with the recruiter, like the HR lady who reached out to me initially. And then I had a conversation with um, the actually the director of the tactical strength conditioning program for Exos. I didn't know it was I didn't know he was that he was that high up on the food chain at the time. But after Googling him, I found out who he actually was. And it was pretty cool just to be able to like have a, a very, you know, like relaxed and um, candid conversation with him about about the job role and the duties and the responsibilities and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so after a little bit of deliberation, I decided to accept the position. Um, it was a very quick turnaround. 
I think it was like middle of August when they offered me the job and said, Hey, like if you're going to do this, you got to start like September 18th. And so I had basically a month and so I had to do some thinking. So I, I, I thought about it, reflected on it and ultimately decided that that was the direction I wanted to take my career, at least for the time being. Um, who's to say, you know, if I'll, if I will or will not ever go back into collegiate strength and conditioning or if tactical is where I'll land forever. Um, I'm very happy in the tactical field right now. Um, it's very different. It's very, very different from collegiate strength and conditioning on an organizational and administrative level. And what I mean by that is that at the collegiate level in the weight room, the strength and conditioning coach basically has the ultimate authority on what goes on. Like that is his or her sphere. That is his or her workplace. Like that is his or that is, if I'm the strength coach, that's my environment. That's my atmosphere. And that's my room, you know? So my rules apply. What I say goes, if I tell you to jump, you say how high here in the military or with the military, it's very different. We are a service that can be optionally utilized, but is not mandatory. So what? I, so again, what I mean by that is they can choose to utilize us. So the way that this works is that they have, they, they do PT, so they, meaning the military, they do PT five days a week, Monday through Friday, from 0630 to 0800, they do PT, so that's physical training. PT is mandatory. Now, the idea behind PT is that there are squad leaders or platoon leaders who are supposed to be responsible for riding out PT plans up to or beyond six weeks in advance. And those PT plans are supposed to get approved by someone within leadership of the company. Um, and then those PT plans are then implemented over the course of six weeks. And then at the end of six weeks or whatever, a new PT plan is written out for the next six weeks. So they already have this system in place. So they do not have to utilize us. We are there really realistically we are there as more of consultants than we are as like actual coaches now i say that i don't want to do this position a disservice like i think that what we are doing as tactical strength and conditioning coaches is very important because and it's it's not their fault just the military doesn't know what they're doing in this capacity right the military is really good at a lot of things and from what I've seen, they're not that great at developing PT plans just because they don't know what they're doing. And that's okay. Like, they're not stupid people. They're very smart. Leadership is very smart. You know, your enlisted soldier is very smart. Like, they're very good at what they do, right? But it would be like asking me or any other strength conditioning coach who has never served in the military to all of a sudden go be a soldier. Like, I could probably, you know, figure something out, but it wouldn't be adequate. Like, it wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't be appropriate. It wouldn't be what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. So it's just skill set and experience, you know, as a strength and conditioning coach, I have the experience, I have the skill set and I have the expertise to be able to deliver a product, to be able to deliver a package that is well organized and orchestrated and developed and designed, you know, and that can drive adaptation and drive results. And now that's not to say that what's going on currently or the what had been going on prior to the implementation of this program. And what I mean by this program is there's this program called H2F, which is holistic holistic health and fitness, which is a program that the army basically developed to help improve the overall well-being, the health and fitness from a holistic perspective, okay, from a whole perspective of their soldiers. 
and that includes mental, spiritual, physical, um, emotional. I think there's like five or six different, you know, like tenets of it, you know. And so I think it's really, um, <coughs> excuse me. Oh, man. It's really, it's really beneficial for the soldiers that the army is doing this because I think they're, I think the army is really starting to look at their soldiering population as more than just fodder, right? They're more than just boots on the ground. Like they're people with real needs and real feelings and emotions and thoughts and desires and wants and all this kind of stuff. And they and they, meaning the military leadership are looking to address all those things and improve the way that their soldiers operate. And so my component, the strength and conditioning, the physical development is just one, one small component of that whole program. Um, but anyway, so the army developed this program, H2F program, and like they've been doing PT for years and years and years. Like, don't get me wrong. Like PT is not a new thing. Right. But the designed and organized and streamlined production of a well-rounded and well-orchestrated strength conditioning package hasn't been around that long. So to come back around, again, they, meaning the military, so the company with which I'm embedded, right? So I'm embedded right now with C Company in their COF, which is company operating facility. It's the building in which they operate. My office is in their building. And so I'm embedded with them and they're the one with whom I primarily work. Now, again, I'm responsible for working with the other companies within the battalion as well. Um, and I do, but what I'm getting at is I don't fucking remember what I was going to say. Um, this is what happens when you get so fucking tangential is that you don't know where the fuck you're at. Um, Oh, so they don't, they don't have to use me. They do. They choose to utilize me, not as an entire company. Like there are still platoons and still squads within the company that do their own thing, meaning that there's a platoon leader or a squad leader who has, in theory, written out six plus weeks of programming and is implementing that programming. Now it can be strength, strength training, resistance training. It can be like Metcon type stuff. It can be general cardio. It can be running or rucking, which is you know, basically like a, a march with a backpack, you know, under load. Um, so they don't, they don't have to use us. And so I've, I've transitioned from this environment where like in the collegiate realm, where attendance was mandatory, adherence was mandatory, and you had to do what I said to now where I'm in the situation where, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm, I'm basically doing sales, but I'm not doing sales. Like I'm here to provide a service, you know, but my, as far as I understand it, my job security does not yet depend on my ability to sell myself. Now I do need to sell myself. and I do need to sell this program and sell the services that I can offer. Right. Because otherwise I'm just doing nothing and that sucks. Like no one likes doing nothing. And there's so much, there's so much potential for this. It can go so far, you know, whether it's with the big army, like the general army, um, special forces like Rangers, soft, soft operators, like they've had strength conditioning coaches for like the last 10 plus years. So this is not new to the army as a whole, but it's new to the army as like the big army, like the general army, um, non special forces. Um, it's new. 
so again they don't have to use me they don't have to use us and and that's very interesting um you know because on one hand it's like why would you not use the experts that have been hired to provide a service for you you know like if you're in the military and somebody is tasked to do a specific duty like let that person do that job like if there's a specialist who does a job for a certain reason like he or she is going to do that job like if you're a sniper you snipe isn't going to snipe because he or she is not trained to do that you know whereas like here as a strength and conditioning coach like i'm an expert quote unquote in my field and why would you not let me do my job why would you not let me provide the services that i've been hired to provide and there's a whole host of reasons that go into that you know i think a lot of it is is ignorance and I don't mean that in a bad way it's just that one maybe they don't know that we actually exist and that's something that we've run into is that you know the commanders the company commanders the battalion commanders they don't know that we exist they don't know that we're physically on base and that we are available and accessible for those who want to utilize us and that we are there every single day and we're you know we want to work um, another aspect of this ignorance is that they don't know how to use us right so it's like hey we've done pt this way for so many years like this is what i came up in the army doing you know and like why change it you know or how how do we change it how do we make it better like how do we utilize this population that we now have at our disposal right and you know when you have a new toy you know sometimes it takes a while to figure out how to play with it and that's kind of where we're at right now is that like you know i think we're past at least within my battalion we're definitely past the point of them not knowing that we exist like the entire battalion knows that we're there and that we are accessible and we're available and all i have to do is reach out to us and like make contact with us and we're happy to help i think we're still kind of in that point of like how do we utilize this because there's so much that goes on in the military like pt only happens only occurs from 0630 to 0800 so for an hour and a half and then the rest of the day they're out doing soldier stuff you know, whether they're doing training, training tasks or training duties or, um, you know, general like motor pool, you know, I don't really know what they do on a daily basis, to be honest. You know, um, I've gotten the chance a couple of times to go out and like watch some, you know, squad live fire, which was pretty cool. Um, watching them go through like some training exercises and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's like you, you start to develop sort of a sense of what goes on. But like, you know, it's not like I follow them around all day and like, you know, figure out what they do. You know, but there's basically from 08 until 1400, so that's from 8 o'clock in the morning to 2 o'clock in the afternoon, like, I have open hours. And anybody can come in if they want to, like, you know, they, it's like it's like a normal job. Like, you know, you get a lunch break, but you have stuff to do during the day. And so it's not like they can just, like, pop in and work out, but, like, they can come in and see me and ask questions and get advice and, you know start to lay stuff out and like there's so much that we can be doing it's just a matter of like trying to fit us into the army schedule because i think and i don't mean this in a bad way i, I want to be very clear that nothing of what i'm nothing that i'm saying is intended to be negative nothing that i'm saying is intended to be you know derogatory or demeaning or detracting of the military like i have nothing but respect for these guys these women these individuals who do this job whether they're infantry or artillery or support you know, and for command, like I got nothing but respect for these people. I don't say that just to like get clout, be like, yeah, I support our military, but like again, I really have nothing but like support and appreciation for them and respect because not everybody can do what they do. But there's this this notion 
that when there's white space on the schedule, meaning when there's open space on the schedule, it has to be filled up, right? And so like, rather than give the soldiers a chance to maybe utilize a resource, i.e. me and my fellow coaches, you know, that could be beneficial to them, like the army decides instead to like funnel them into doing activities, right? Like, hey, we got to keep these guys as busy as possible. We got to put as much on their plate so they don't have time to stop. Like they get a lunch break, they get, you know, smoke break if they smoke or whatever. But like there's always stuff going on. There's always stuff happening. And so it's like, where does, where, where do I fit in? You know, where do we as strength and conditioning coaches, where do we as service providers fit in to this schedule? You know, because we can't, we can't, you know, accommodate everybody at once. Like I, I cannot accommodate an entire company, you know, over the course of an hour, you know, so there has to be, and like, we've worked on scheduling. We've worked on like laying out calendars and schedules, you know, it's just a matter of like, again, making these two these two entities like us and then the military making them merge and mesh and like find this harmonious relationship between the two and not that it's disharmonious you know i think it's in some in some regards it can be you know it depends on what battalion you're with and the leadership and all that kind of stuff but you know i'm very fortunate that the company that i'm with and the battalion that i'm with has very good leadership and is very open to utilizing us again it's just you know us continuing to explain what it is that we do and than them figuring out what they want from us. So, um, so it can be a little bit challenging, excuse me, and a little bit frustrating, um, only from the regard or from the perspective that like, I want to do more. Like I'm here for a reason, like, let me do my job, you know, give me you know, give me a squad, give me a platoon of guys and let me train them up for 12 weeks. Let me show you what I can do so that I can provide proof of concept, you know, for not just my program and not just for myself, but for the entire program as a whole. You know, like, let us show you what we can do as strength conditioning coaches. Let us show you, like, let us show you how we can improve your PT scores. Let us show you how we can reduce injuries and, like, reduce guys who are on profile, which is what, which is what it's called when somebody's injured. Um, they're put on a profile. You know, let us show you what we can do. And we're getting there. Like, don't get me wrong. We're getting there. It's just it's just a slow process because there's trust. There's relationship building. It's just like, you know, if you've ever if you're if you've ever done personal training, which I have done and I did not like doing for the most part because it was sales. Like, let's say you get a client. Right. And that, that client like signs up for your services or gets paired with you, you know, gets paired up with you to, to utilize your services. Now, they may be there for a certain reason. They may know what they want, but then you have to develop that relationship with them. It's not just like, all right, hey, I'm Jim. You're so-and-so. Like, this is what we're going to do today. You know, and there has to be a learning process and a relationship building process and a trust building process. Like, all that has to occur before, like, real effective, long-term, permanent change can occur. But once that happens, you know, things can build steam very quickly. Um, and we're like, we're like right on that cusp right now. We're like right at that point where, you know, like, Hey, I've got trust, like the company commander for Seco, trust me, HHC, they trust me, you know, ACO and BCO, they trust my co-coach. Like we're getting there, you know, like we're showing that like we're, that we're here, that we will show up every day and we'll do our job and we're not just here to have a good time and, you know, slap ass and fuck around. Like we're here to do a job, you know? And you know, I have guys, I have like a squad or two that like will jump in and do my programming, you know, and like, and so, so basically what I do is like every day I'll come in and I'll write up a workout on the board. It's just like a workout of the day, you know, and what they don't know is that there's like, there's progression and periodization 
and there's thought behind it. Like it's not just like some random shit that ends up on the board. It's like, okay, last week we did this or yesterday we did this. So today we have to do this or this week we're doing this, you know? So just like you would, if you're, if you're planning out, <laughs> if you're planning out, um, Jesus Christ. Um, sorry. I'm for those of you who are not watching, I'm on Instagram live and I'm just dealing with the shenanigans of Instagram live. Um, but uh thanks um but i have guys who who do my programming who do the workout of the day and what's awesome is that they are seeing results they are seeing significant gains as we all like to say in their strength levels in their ability to you know in their cardio output in their ability to perform their soldiering tasks you know, all that kind of stuff. Like they are seeing improvement, they are seeing development, and they are seeing advancement. And I think it's just going to take, continue to take time. You know, like, hey, this squad is seeing progress. This squad is seeing improvement. Okay, maybe if this squad buys in, we can get a platoon. We can get this platoon, and all of a sudden we've got the whole company doing stuff. It just, it just takes time. It just takes trust. And that's really all it is. Um, but it's, it's fucking awesome. Like, it is really a great job, you know, like I get to work with this amazing population who do all this super cool stuff. Like I was, so there's a, it's what's called a CAC card. It's a common access card. It's like a government ID that you use to access computers and get on base and all that kind of stuff. And you have to apply for one and go through this whole background check process and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, when I went to get mine, I came out of the building and there was this like, C-17, I think, one of the big cargo planes, one of the huge cargo jets, cargo planes, like, taking off because it was on the Air Force side of the base. So I work at Joint Base Lewis-McChord. And so McChord is the Air Force side and Lewis is the Army side. So it's this Joint Base, hence Joint Base Lewis-McChord. So it was on the McChord side and this huge fucking plane takes off. And I was like, this is the coolest fucking job I've ever had in my life. Like, I get to be on a military base every single day for the next three years, at least, you know, because the contract that I'm under runs annually, but the position is for three years, right? So like for the next three years, I get to be on this military base. I get to work with soldiers. I get to watch these cool fucking planes take off. I get to watch like Black Hawks and, you know, attack helicopters fly overhead all the time. Like shit is dope, you know, like it is just a dope fucking job. And you know, like I kind of said at the beginning of this podcast, I was sort of going in this direction anyway. You know, like I was leaning towards getting into the tactical side of stuff because, you know, it's a, it's a huge industry that is still developing and still growing and has yet to be like, you know, really tapped into. And I don't just mean the military side of stuff like, you know, police, fire, EMT, the first responder side. You know, that's still a huge industry that if you can get into and if you can find your niche, like as a coach, like whether you're working for yourself or whether you're like me and you're contracted through a company, you know, to another organization, you know, however it is that you, you work it out, like there's so much room for development and growth and success, you know, not just here domestically, but internationally, you know, like collegiate strength and conditioning can be a little bit limited, I think, you know, because like, yes, you know, other, other countries obviously have universities, but I think that at least here in the U.S., you know, the collegiate athletic field is much bigger and is much more popular and prominent and so there's a demand and there's a need for collegiate strength and conditioning coaches whereas like perhaps at a university in like australia or in the uk maybe there's not such a demand now i could be completely wrong and i'm just an ignorant american here 
At least that's my understanding and my assumptions. Um, whereas like if you get into the tactical side of stuff, so whether you're working with military, you can go, if you work with the U S military, you can go overseas, you can get not necessarily deployed with them, but like into a combat zone, but deployed for like training exercises. Um, you know, if you work with like first responders, there's first responders literally all over the world, you know? So if you work, if you develop a a rapport here, if you develop a resume here in the U S and you want to go work abroad, there's options for that. It's just, you know, you have to make that happen for yourself. But it's super fucking cool. Um, and like I said, I was leaning that direction anyway because I was kind of getting like, like, like I said, I knew I was going to need to make a change. At some point, I was going to have to make a shift in my career if I wanted to move forward. And whether that was going to a different university um, or working in the tactical side of stuff, it was, you know, it didn't really, it wasn't really clear but now obviously here i am so um so yeah it's really fucking cool and when i first got here when i first got on base it wasn't really a whole lot to do like we basically just sat around for two weeks and i thought jesus christ if this is what i signed on for like fuck me but it wasn't like we just had to go through the process and get background checks and you know get paperwork we just had to get stuff taken care of you know it's a it's a government organization you know it's the federal government like there's you know red tape and paperwork that you got to go through so sitting around for the first couple of weeks was boring as shit you know and then i sat around for a few days once i got embedded at my company um and i still sit around a lot like don't get me wrong like there's still days where like i don't do a whole lot other than help out with pt um and sort of plan for the next pt session um but i'm hopeful that that will continue to improve as we move forward um but i've met some really cool people within the field so far um there's like 14 of us within this brigade um and we're all spread out across different battalions and then you know across different companies um my co-coach, and I'm not just saying this because he's on the Instagram Live or was on the Instagram Live, like he's a good dude. We get along really well. He kind of knows what he's talking about. Um, all that kind of stuff, you know, so it's been it's been really good. Um, and to get back to the Pacific Northwest, again, was something that I always wanted to do. I just never had the chance to. And so when they offered me this job, when Exos offered me this job here at JBLM, like I jumped at it, you know, and... Um, went right for it. So, so yeah, so that's kind of it as far as like the tactical side of stuff, um, or as far as like the professional side of it. Um, if you have any questions, if anybody has any questions about tactical strength and conditioning, like how to get into it or what it looks like or anything like that, feel free to message me on Instagram. Um, and that reminds me, I've started a new, a new Instagram account, um, a new, Oh, venture um, into the world of outside tactical strength and conditioning. Do you have the opportunity to incorporate different movements into tactical retraining? Examples, strongman movements. Um, sorry, this is a question that came in on Instagram Live. The question is, do you have the opportunity to incorporate different movements into tactical training? Examples, strongman movements. Uh, yes, we do. So um, how do I answer this? It's basically, so think about it in a way that you would, like if you have a, if you're a personal trainer and you have a client who wants to try strongman training or wants to try powerlifting or whom you think would benefit from some strongman or powerlifting training, 
you know, you just have to sort of evaluate where your population is at and then evaluate what equipment you have readily accessible and available. And that's a whole nother topic of conversation that we can go down as the accessibility and availability of equipment here um, in relation to what it is they want to execute, but that's a different conversation. So to come back to the question at hand, yes, we can do strongman stuff. Like they love strongman stuff. They love picking up sandbags and kegs and stones and, you know, the cabers and all that kind of stuff, you know, doing farmer's walks. Like, you know, some of those guys, especially like the infantry, like they get off on that shit. Like they love picking up heavy shit, you know, like they're definitely just like within any, any population. So just like with, you know, like a sports team, right. You know, at Oakland, I had, you know, like my baseball team, baseball team was fantastic across the board, you know, but there were like 95% of the guys loved lifting weights. 5% were there because they had to be there. You're going to get those guys in the military as well. You're going to get those guys who want to be at PT, who understand the value that it can bring to their training, to bring to their success as a soldier. But then you're going to get those guys who are there only because it's mandated, you know? And so you kind of have to pick your battles as far as like, all right, what am I going to implement today? You know, are we ready for a sandbag clean? Are we ready for a farmer's walk? Are we ready for, you know, we don't have a yoke, but are we ready for a yoke? Or something like that or do we need to break stuff down you know keep things more simple you know are we at the point where i just need to teach a deadlift are we at the point where i need to teach just like you know an overhead press as opposed to like you know a push press or a jerk or something like that so so absolutely you know we can implement strongman movements we can do powerlifting. you know for everybody who's listening to this you probably know like i'm a conjugate guy you know i love powerlifting, and i think it's a great way to train people um I've been teaching box squat. I've been teaching sumo deadlift, bench press technique, all that kind of stuff. We're getting new racks, rigs. We're getting all sorts of new equipment um, come the end of the year. We're supposed to be at least. And so we can really get into the whole powerlifting stuff. Um, just like with any population, though, you have to take into consideration the demands of the population. So, like, I think strongman is really good because it develops a well-rounded, like, cardiovascular base, right? Like, to be a strong man, unless you're training for like a static show, you're doing like a static monsters type show and you're just pressing and pulling weight. Um, you know, you have to have like an athletic base, right? Like if you're, if you're pulling or dragging or carrying or pushing, like you have to have a cardiovascular base. So again, strong man can be a really good training methodology for the tactical population because of the demands of their job. You know, um, it just depends on what you, what you adhere to as a coach. You know, I'm a power lifter. I think powerlifting is a great way to, to to train people. But where I was going with that is that you have to have the aerobic side of it as well. Like we're not just powerlifters in the military. Like there are dudes who do powerlifting, right? But when it comes to their soldiering, when it comes to their job as a soldier, they have to be able to perform, especially at the infantry level. You know, like they have to be able to run and sprint. They call it bounding. You have to be able to bound from cover to cover point, you know, and be able to execute these things multiple times in a row with minimal rest possibly you know it's not like if you're if you're in a firefight if you're under fire and you have to bound from one cover point to the next cover point or from concealment to concealment like you might not have time to sit and fully recover right if you're under fire you gotta, you gotta get your ass moving or you're gonna get shot and die and that's where that's where what i was talking about at the beginning that's where this like real world stuff comes in like what we are doing can literally you know and I may be like aggrandizing it a little bit and making myself seem a little more self-important, you know, but can literally like make the difference between life and death. You know, if you are, if you don't have the cardiovascular base, be able to bound from concealment to cover, from cover to cover, you know, or be able to carry a buddy if they get wounded, you know, like maybe you're not coming home, you know, um, excuse me. 
<clears throat> so, um, so you gotta, you gotta train the aerobic side of stuff. And so like we train five days a week, basically the way that I lay things out is like, I have three strength days. I have like a max effort, lower a max effort, upper, and then dynamic effort, lower. I stay away from the, the dynamic effort upper, just cause I don't really think it matters that much, at least in the context of this population. And then two days a week we do, you know, like cardio. So one day is like a longer run or a ruck. And then the other day is like a more higher intensity, but um, like a sprint or a middle distance run, you know? So like they have to be able to run X amount of miles. Like that's part of their PT test. They have to be able to do that. So we want to get them good at that. But then they also need to be able to cover ground very quickly and then recover quickly. So that's another aspect of training that we take into consideration and work on developing. Um, you know, equipment, equipment can be challenging. Um, I'm very fortunate that the company that I am primarily with has good equipment and like the company commander has, uh, understands the value of strength and conditioning, um, understands the value that it can bring and like the, the advancements and the progression and development that can contribute to the success of soldiers. Um, and so he's very much about it. So he buys into it, like literally, you know, he's putting money into this program and into this into the equipment so that we can have nicer stuff so we can do more things at once with more people and all that kind of stuff. Um, some of my counterparts are not so fortunate, um, because of the size of battalions and the size of companies. Some companies do not have like, so like my cough, my company operating facility is basically a giant garage, um, with like with offices upstairs. Some coughs are the office building, but they have a very small little, like very small little gym, you know, like a, like a 10 person or less gym. So not everybody has the same access to facilities and resources that I do, you know? So a lot of our battalions are doing their PT outside. And if you've ever spent time in the Pacific Northwest, you know that especially around this time of year, being outside is not always a great place to be. You know, right now there's snow and ice. Um, it rains on a pretty consistent basis, you know, and at 630 in the morning, it's not exactly very warm, you know, so to be doing stuff outside, be, to be on the ground in the mud, like doing burpees and pushups and sit ups and running and rucking like outside, it sucks. So I'm very fortunate to have what I have and I very much appreciate it. Um, you know, and that's a, that's an issue that goes all the way to the top, you know, as far as like equipment availability and access of resources and utilization of resources and acquisition of resources, you know, I think it's one of those things where it's like the military wants this thing to happen. Like they want to have this great H2F program, but they don't want to buy into it. Like, but then, but then how, how do you even buy into it? Like if, like you can't build a battalion size gym, like there's no way, you know, you can't build, I mean, you can build a company size gym you know, but that'll be packed. Like you can't just like, you can't just build a huge giant fucking building and be like, all right, everybody go fucking work out. Like it doesn't work like that. There's like rationale and re reality is that it won't work like that. You know, so, um, so it's this matter of like figuring out how to utilize what you have available. And like I said, I'm very fortunate to have what I have. Um, Cause not every, every company or every battalion has that stuff. So, I mean, some, some companies, some battalions are literally just doing body weight stuff or like med ball or tire flips, you know? And, and like, 
you can you can operate in these austere Spartan environments and you can still get success. You can still see growth and development and progress and adaptation and all that kind of stuff. You can still see you can still see all these positive changes occur. It just might not be as as long lasting or as far reaching as if you had access to the proper equipment, you know. And then like you know, training outside, like I said, like training out in the rain, like it sucks. You know, like some of these guys, like I've I've watched guys do burpees and do like you know, sled drags and shit when it's pouring fucking rain. And it's like, this is miserable just to watch. You know, I could imagine doing it, you know, so hats off to them. You know, you think you're tough. Like, come watch some of this stuff that these guys do. Like, it's a very different world. Um, so that kind of wraps that up, I think. Um, as far as, like, my personal life, um, and what I mean by that is training, uh, not personal life. Uh, training is going well um i signed up for a meet um in march back in michigan at rochester performance gym at rpg so we're starting prep for that got about um maybe like nine weeks of like real actual prep work before we get into like openers and all that kind of stuff so there's really not that much time we started thinking about it um but i'm very excited about it i haven't competed since july so i mean it'll be August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March. It'll be like eight eight months since I've competed by that point. Um, and I've never competed at RPG. I mean, RPG was my home gym when I was in Michigan. You know, and I've never competed there. So that'll be dope. Um, there was a, there's a competition. There's an APF meet in Oregon around the same time, um, which is only a couple hours away as opposed to like a plane ride and hotel stay and all that kind of stuff. So it would be far cheaper and easier to do. But again, I've never competed at RPG and like I know the people there and I know the environment. And like if you've ever traveled to compete, like you know that like being familiar with the area is huge. You know, if you're at a gym you've never been to, you know, it can be very disorienting. Um, you know, so if you're at a place with people you're familiar with and a place that you're familiar with, you know, it can make you feel a lot less nervous and can help you help contribute to the success of your performance. Um, but I, I train here at a gym called Spanaway Fitness Center. Um, it's a great, great spot. Um, it's like basically split down the middle. It's this big building in like a strip mall, but it's basically split down the middle. Like half is like machines and, you know, more like cardio stuff, general gym goer type equipment. And then the other half has like, it's got a mono, it's got a bunch of competition benches, it's got like six deadlift platforms and all that kind of stuff. So it's really set up, um, you know, for good powerlifting equipment or good powerlifting training, excuse me. Um, the only drawback so far is that I don't have a crew. You know, I have a couple guys um, who I've made friends with at the gym, you know, who helped me out with like my bench shirt, um, spot, run the mono when I squat, all that kind of stuff. So like we're getting there, but it's very different than RPG. You know, for those of you who have ever been to Rochester Performance Gym, you know, have spent time there, like, you know that, how do I say this? You know that people have your back there and like everybody there is like dedicated towards your success and like wanting to help you and we'll help each other out, you know, and that RPG is kind of like one big family, you know, like the RPG army. Um, and that's not to say that like, that that doesn't exist at Spanaway. It's just that I don't have that yet. You know, maybe at some point I will, but I just don't have it yet. You know, and um, I think it just comes down to not having the same like volume of people. You know, like RPG was is a powerlifting and a strongman gym. You know, like people are there to do this to train, to get strong, and to be serious about their success. You know, Spanaway, 
I'm not saying that people aren't serious. It's just it's more of a raw gym. It's not a multiplier strongman gym. It's like a raw USAPL, you know, USPA type gym, which is totally fine. You know, do your thing. Um, it just doesn't fit in with what I want to do right now. So, um, but I've been fortunate that you know I've made friends with the the right people so far, and they've been willing to help me out and you know learn how I do stuff to help keep me safe. Like I'm very selfish about it, but they've been very great about it. You know. Um, very helpful and I appreciate it um, but I'm very much looking forward to competing in March hopefully this time I don't bomb out um, can't get too fat for my gear again or I just have to figure something out I don't know but uh, I'm sitting at about like two like high 250s I think it was like 258 today with clothes and shoes on so hopefully I don't get too much bigger than that because I don't know if my gear will fit and that's always a nightmare so, um, that's about it. So anyway, I appreciate you guys tuning in on Instagram live. I appreciate anybody who's listening to the podcast. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to hit me up. Um, at Jimberjacked is my primary Instagram account. Um, my new Instagram account for my tactical strength and conditioning is at FPC underscore TAC underscore OPS. So TAC is T-A-C. So FPC underscore T-A-C underscore O-P-S. So at FPC TAC OPS. You can message me there if you're interested in tactical strength and conditioning. Um, if you're interested in powerlifting coaching, you can message me at flannel panel conjugate on Instagram. So yeah, again, thanks for checking in. And, and as always, do not waste the pain.